This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. great Flames fans are and how much how much the city loves the team um, which is just amazing and, and really exciting for me to hear for sure so you know I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that there's a lot of excitement that, that's awesome like I'm, I'm just as excited so probably more that is the voice of newly signed Flames first round pick Matthew Coronado who signed his entry level contract Sunday evening and is on his way to Calgary to join the Calgary Flames. The excitement level for Matthew and that clip you just heard in an exclusive with Flames Talk and Pat Steinberg last night. His excitement level as high as the city's is right now to get a look at the 2021 13th overall draft pick after finishing up his career at Harvard University. Coronado, 20 goals, 16 assists for 36 points in 34 games. Coming off an Ivy League Rookie of the Year campaign in 21-22. His 20 goals were tied for the second most on Harvard through 2022-2023. And now we begin the waiting process of Matthew to join the team here in Calgary and when we may possibly see him for the first time in action with Flames Silks on. Welcome to Sportsnet today. Slogan Gordon along with you on a Monday afternoon, joined by my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor this afternoon. we got lots to get to on the program, including reaction to uh, Calgary and signing first-round pick Matthew Coronado to a contract yesterday. Uh, We'll chat with Peter Labardius about that, take a look back at the weekend that was for the Calgary Flames, a matinee afternoon affair against the San Jose Sharks, which sees the Calgary Flames Pick up a 5-3 victory. Next up for the Flames, the LA Kings are in town tomorrow night and might revenge be on the mind for Daryl Sutter and company after that 8-2 shellacking last week at the hands of the uh, Los Angeles Kings. We'll talk about that and more. Uh, with Pete Labardius, we'll hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames today, including head coach Daryl Sutter, Michael Backlund, and Blake Coleman on a practice day at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Plus, in hour two, uh, always excited to get a chance to chat with the voice of the Calgary Wranglers. Sandra Persina will join us. Uh, the Calgary Wranglers looking good. They're finishing up their last two home games of the season, the regular season, that is, at the Saddle Dome this week before they head out for six on the road before the Calder Cup playoffs begin. So we'll uh, chat with Sandra about all things Calgary Wranglers. Matthew Phillips back in the goal-scoring lead in the American Hockey League. Dustin Wolf has now played in 100 AHL games. How does Dryden Hunt look in Wranglers colors after coming over at the trade deadline? We'll dive into that and more uh, with Sandra coming up a little bit later on. But uh, this the news of the day for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Matthew Coronado, pen to paper, signed, sealed, and almost delivered. He's on his way into Calgary. Did not participate in practice with the team today, but is expected 
to be with the group tomorrow for morning skate ahead of their game against the LA Kings. What do you want to know? What are expectations around the young man right now? Well, here's what we can tell you. And uh, most, if not all of this information, courtesy of our pal, Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk. Uh, you know him well uh, as the voice of the Calgary Flames, really, in a lot of ways when it comes to this sort of stuff. But yes, Matthew Coronado signs his entry-level contract. It's a three-year deal, but uh, the first year will burn on his ELC immediately. He does not need to play in any games this season. I repeat, does not need to play in any games during the regular season for that first year of his contract uh, to come off. That will uh, mean he will be a restricted free agent at the end of the 2024-2025 season. Uh, He is not AHL eligible until next season. $925,000 on the AAV, uh, max A bonuses in those final two years for Matthew Coronado. So the Flames... Full court press, as we heard from Elliot Friedman on Saturday night during Hockey Night in Canada, leads to an eventual signing of the young man on Sunday evening, and now we await his arrival in Calgary. To chat about that and uh, chat about uh, all things Calgary Flames, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, kick off the show like we always do by welcoming in the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good Monday afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Excitement level uh, high here in Calgary after a big signing. Uh, Last night, uh, Matthew Coronado puts pen to paper, says uh, goodbye to his NCAA career, and is now expected to join uh, the Calgary Flames. What were your immediate reactions yesterday, Lou, when you saw the news? Well, I wasn't the least bit surprised because every indication I had seen in the last 48 hours and a couple of people that I had um, in confidence had suggested that, you know, it was heading in this direction. So um certainly wasn't surprised. In fact, I would have been surprised if it went in any other di- any other way. And the only thing that I would say is I'm sure – that fans are excited primarily because of the whole Adam Fox situation that went on a few years ago. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I went even as far last night Lou, to think that, you know, at least out loud, I wonder how much it mattered to flames fans. And I know these are players at different levels, but you just had two prominent American players leave your organization in Gaudreau and Kachuk. This off season, I, I I certainly recognize the the Fox comparison there, but I wonder how much that still played in for Flames fans that worry that Calgary wasn't going to be a destination for for top flight American players. Well, I think you're always concerned when things happen. I, I in all sincerity, I don't think there's really a link between certainly Johnny and him being an American and leaving um, Matthew. I can't state to the same level because I think as you know story for days gone by I think those two guys while they ended up in the same place got there very differently so um, to me it is more of a comparison about Adam Fox than it is about Kachuk and Gaudreau because one guy opted not to and the other guys obviously spent in one case a ton of time here before making that decision. So that's why I link it that way. And 
whether it's a destination for Americans or anyone else, um, it certainly hasn't been an issue for anybody from Sweden. That is mm-hmm. for sure. And and I and I honestly, Logan, think that's a very that's an overblown thing. If anything, in terms of people coming here, I would suggest that there are other things that way outweigh it, like not having a new facility, um, you know, more of those types of situations than country versus country. Uh, yeah, very fair. Uh, so, Lou, tell me, uh, what do you see when you see uh, young Matthew Coronado, this first-round pick for the Calgary Flames? What kind of player are they adding to their roster in signing this young man? Well, a couple of guys that come to mind, and the first guy, actually, that comes to mind is Tyler Toffoli. I see a lot of similarities. Um, I watched Matthew four or five times the World Junior this summer. Uh, I like his smarts. I like his release. Uh, he's a versatile guy. Um, you know, like Tyler, I wouldn't say that he has the world's greatest skating ability, but it's not a hindrance either, but he's not a burner by any stretch. Uh, puck explodes off his stick. He can score. But I also like the fact that, you know, whether I watched him on video when he was still in the USHL or whether I've watched him a couple of times this season at Harvard, but more importantly in the competition in the summer, I saw, I saw a guy whose skill was good, but I also saw a lot of good things in his responsible approach to how he played the sport. Talk to me about the, the process Lou, that you see for young men coming up this way through a league like the USHL and then into two seasons of NCAA hockey, I guess in comparison to where players, where we would see players at this level from the junior side of things, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't think, I don't think for me, it's, it's either or, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it, Logan has to do with the individual involved. Um, you know, certain guys, based on lots of different reasons, will see development models differently and, i.e., choose different routes. Now, you know, when you're going to Harvard for a couple of years, uh, not everybody gets into Harvard, so no. to say the least. Um, so that has something to say about, you know, him and his ability to even – apply and get in um i don't know exactly i always think sometimes too that you know here's what i know about the world when people really want to have you they generally find a way um but scholastics i'm sure are very important to him and his family but he's leaving so being a professional hockey player is still you know a primary focus right now and that's why he's opted to come out so, you know, the development model, if that's the question you're asking, I think for a lot of American kids, for sure, that going in that direction for a couple of years obviously makes sense, depending on where you're from. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it very much lies in the individual, because I think everybody knows I'm uh, I, I'm biased. Um, I have 
I appreciate all levels of hockey. And uh, I would probably say this at this point, I've always felt this way, especially about Canadian kids, but they all develop differently and the world's different now too. Um, I've always felt that if you, if you really think you have a chance to be a, a top three round pick that major junior definitely in at least hockey terms provides you the best opportunity. If it's going to happen a little later or you need more time, then, you know, it's not the same for everyone, but this is a guy who's a first round pick. So he's been a good player for a long time. Is there a different stylistic play Lou in your mind when you watch NCAA hockey compared to junior hockey in Canada? Yes, there is. What would those differences um, I think be? That is, I think that is shrinking. I've always felt, and needless to say, I watch one way closer than the other yep. and have forever. Um, I have always felt the American college game has been very much more about the best way to describe it simply um it has more flow to it in a lot of ways i don't think it's as hard checking um to me there's in a lot of ways there's more of an emphasis on flow and so thus i think that in terms of your ability to play a full 200-foot game, I think the transition for many guys can be more difficult when you're going from there to the pros. But that's an interesting topic that I've been thinking about ever since I was on the morning show because I know there's going to be a big push on the outside for this guy to get in as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that's out there already. Yes. But he's never played one single NHL game. He's never had one NHL practice. Stylistically, systems-wise, all of it, does what? can anybody out there answer whether Harvard plays the same style as the Flames? If I can't, there's probably a pretty good chance most fans can't. Yes. And I can't. Now, I know where the head coach, Ted Donato, comes from, and he's a long-time NHLer, but, yeah, do I see differences between the collegiate game and major junior? Sure I do. And one of the reasons is, and it drives me nuts, completely nuts, is, you know, I don't quite, not talking about players like Matthew, but... Why if a guy goes through four or five years of major junior and then goes to the CIS or U sports for a couple years and is 22 or 23, why is that so different? In fact, I could make an argument that you play way more competitive hockey and more of an NHL style schedule mm-hmm. on the road to get there. I, I think U Sports is is quite an untapped source. I really do. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The schedule is always the one that 
I think most people from the outside looking in can see Lou and say, hey, that's there's no way to, to replicate the the style of hockey, the amount of hockey that Matthew's about to go through his entire you know year this year as far as games that you're going to track you know, in 2022, 20, it's, it's 34 games. That's nowhere near where, you know, no. people in the major junior level are going to be at when it's all said and done. No, but it's, it's, it's so tough. And I don't, I think it all depends on the individual. So, you know, development models are different for people. They work better for people. And it's not just about hockey, Logan. It's, it's about who they are as people and maturity and, what they're ready for and, and what excites them the most in a lot of different ways. So, you know, this, this is kind of now, I think a little off topic because I, I don't see it the same for everyone. I don't because here's to, to put a cap on it. Um, Kale McCarr could have gone to, the Quapel Valley Hockey League in Saskatchewan, and somebody would have found him, and he would have been a star. We're not really talking about those types of people. No. It's everybody else. And because I watch and appreciate hockey, especially, well, period, everywhere, the model can be different. But the model is all also about what you make of it, no matter which route you decide. Good with the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardi is here on Sportsnet 960. He kicks off uh, every edition of Sportsnet today with us here uh, every single day. And, Lou, uh, now the question for many becomes, uh, what does the rest of this season look like for Matthew? He is uh, en route to Calgary, was not part of practice today, but is expected to join the group for morning skate tomorrow. Um, integrating him into the lineup is a very interesting question here, Lou, with a team that is still technically fighting for a playoff spot. And as you mentioned, you know, in the process of this conversation with us, a guy that's never stepped foot in an NHL arena an NHL practice or a Calgary flame style, a Daryl Sutter style practice. How do you see these next couple of weeks going for Matthew? Well, I think first of all, and I'll add to what I said this morning with, George and Matt, it's not just about Matthew. Now, I don't know what kind of an arrangement they've come to or if they have, but your team talking about the flames is trying to find their way and will their way back into a playoff spot. And this is a team already trying hard to glue guys together. So if you have, Let's just use Kadri and Huberto as an example. Those guys are quality veteran people who have had a difficult time finding their way, right? Yep. So are we going to think that Matthew's just going to come in and solve all the problems and score a ton of goals? No. And the other point is that I'll reiterate from this morning is if your team is already fighting to find synergy amongst its current group, then I would suggest, and anybody who's ever coached, if I am going to put him in, A, he better be better than somebody 
and I better be able to trust that he's going to be better than somebody I've already been using. And I have to be careful too about what those moves might do to others. I.e. it was suggested to me and it was good. It was a great conversation. Um, You know, maybe there's a chance to, you know, throw him right into the top six and see what will happen. Even if that maybe means, let's just use Dylan Dubé as an example. That Dylan might have to move down in the depth chart. Hasn't Dylan been one of the best players who has taken the most steps? Yep. So I'm going to, like, I've already, in a sense, thinking about Daryl and Dylan, I've already asked a lot from Dylan. Am I going to put another guy up the depth chart ahead of him for what he's done? I'm not. Be a tough ask. No. And and nobody knows better. No one than the coaches and the people that have to make these decisions. Does that mean that you agree with all of them? No. But In this case, I am not taking anybody out of my lineup unless Matthew Coronado shows here over the next week that he's going to give you a better chance to win than what you have. And I'm not saying that's not out of the realm. I just think for those out there putting one and one together and getting to two really fast, I think that's setting expectations that I'm not sure – based on the player, are realistic. This is a first-round pick. This is not a generational talent. No. There's a huge difference. No, and even to that point, Lewis, we've had this conversation, and I've, I've replied to the text line here twice. The, the two examples that have been brought up is, while Johnny made a pretty good transition, and the second one we got was, look how well Kill McCarr played. Those are not the norms. Those are not names that you can no. sit here and say every NCAA player is expected to follow those two paths. Those are very, very, very rare exceptions to the fact. Okay, let's let's use kind of a guy, and, and again, different collegiate career, different skill set. Did the Montreal Canadiens at not point, one point when he entered the league not have to shut down his ice time last year after he caught lightning in a bottle a little bit in the bubble? Wasn't that a process? Mm-hmm. Sure was. Yes. That's the point. Yes, for Johnny it worked out, but you know what? In his first year, he got benched in Columbus. I think the date was October 19th. But your team's also in a different place than it was then. The door was far more wide open for new people and new people to squeeze in. And Johnny also came in at a time in the last game in the regular season when you were out. Out. When and if the Calgary Flames are eliminated... I would find a way to play him every chance I could because it'll be great for his development 
and you get an opportunity to see him. And what it will do, as Daryl confirmed earlier today, because I think that can't be lost, is just giving him enough of a taste to have him around pros, how they practice, how they train, the day-to-day rigors of being an NHLer, both internally and dealing with noise and all of it, will help his mindset moving towards next fall. That's really how I see it. I don't expect this guy to come in and make a huge difference this year. But I do need to be careful not to set him up for failure and control the noise and the expectation. That's how I look at it. Yeah, and I love that expectation one, Lou, because I, I, I want to say this, and, and I know it'll rub people the wrong way, and I'm curious how you'd feel about it, but even with Matthew coming into the team this year, I know he's not AHL eligible next year. Believe you me, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world depending on how the entire offseason works out. Don't look at it next year if Matthew Coronado starts the year with the, the Wranglers as some sort of bad news omen for this guy. Not at all. Has it hurt others? Did it hurt Andrew Mangiapane? No. no. Did it really hurt Dylan Dubé? No. no. Has it hurt Jacob Pelche? No. It's made them better. What you want when a guy is at the NHL level is to be as NHL ready as they can be. You throw people into a pool and they're not ready to swim, you know what happens, right? Yep. Sinking to the bottom quicker than you can. Fast. Yep. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with this guy. I'm just telling you, I've watched him quite a bit. And I don't know how it's necessarily going to go. And would I, would I think that what you just suggested is out of the question at the start of next season? Not a bit. And in fact, I think it would probably be a good thing. Because more often than not, it is. No, 100%. Uh, Lou, that was a great conversation. It just flew by uh, on all things Matthew Coronado. Uh, we will let you go, sir. We will chat again tomorrow to kick off the program. Uh, Flames game day against the Pacific Division rivals, the LA Kings, coming off of that uh, tough look last week in LA. Looking forward to uh, breaking it down with you tomorrow, pal. Sounds good. Have a great afternoon. You too. Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He joins us every single day to kick off the program, and he does so courtesy of our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit thegeminigroup.ca. Let's hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames, including head coach Daryl Sutter on the newest member of the Calgary Flames, Matthew Coronado, who did not practice today, but is en route to Calgary. Uh, We'll hear from Daryl and his thoughts on where Matthew fits into the lineup in their process of bringing him into the Calgary Flames next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Sportsnet Today rolling on. Logan Gordon along with you. Optional practice day at the Scotiabank Saddledome on Monday for the Flames. 
as they get set to take on the LA Kings to end off this three-game homestand. Lost to Vegas last Thursday and a big win Saturday afternoon against the Sharks. And the final couple of seconds will come off the clock. And the sea of red rises here at Scotiabank Saddledome on this Saturday afternoon. Once again, Tyler Toffoli leads the way for the Flames with two goals as he equals his career high with numbers 30 and 31 on the season. And the Flames battle back to beat the Sharks by a final score of 5-3. to three. And with a Jets loss, the Flames have moved to within four points of the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. It was probably a bit too close for comfort for many on Saturday against the league's worst team in the San Jose Sharks. But the Flames find a way to win. 5-3, your final score. You heard it from Derek on the call there. A great night for Tyler Toffoli, who continues his career season now against his former team, the LA Kings, on Tuesday. And an optional uh, for the Flames on Monday. And you can understand why, as this team has been incredibly busy the last number of weeks. Back-to-back weeks for the Flames with four games in seven days. So chance to get some time off here this week with just games on Tuesday night against the LA Kings at home and then into Vancouver on Friday for a battle against the Canucks. Of course, everyone talking about uh, Matthew Coronado. He is en route to Calgary, was not there for optional skate this morning. Would expect him to be a part of morning skate with the group tomorrow ahead of their game against LA. As far as plans to get him into the lineup, those are you know signed and, and sealed delivered with the coaching staff and perhaps with Brad Treliving and the negotiations that went on with the Coronado camp. We don't know exactly when or if he'll make his NHL debut this season, but head coach Daryl Sutter held court with the media today and dove into a lot of topics, including uh, Matthew Coronado, what he's seen from him, what he likes from him, plans on integrating him into this Flames system. Uh, lots from the head coach today after an optional morning skate. Here is uh, head coach Daryl Sutter with the media on a Monday from the Saddle Dome. You guys had a young man named Matt Coronado over the weekend. Uh, have you been keeping a lot of tabs on his game with Harbor? It's been hard this year. I, I've only seen him play live once, and that was um, before the COVID shut down the World Junior Red Deer last year. So we've seen the one game, U.S. and... Uh, Slovaks. So there's some pretty good players. Do you know what the plan might be for uh, bringing him into the fold here and helping him uh, adjust? Yeah, I think just kind of ease into it. uh, I think he's traveling today. So we'll just see the next little while how to get him in, get him on the ice, get him around the guys. When you get a young player, whether it's Coronado or any other young player you've had in your career, what are you looking for in them in terms of their on-ice and off-ice adjustments before you feel they're ready to be put into a lineup? Well, they're probably not ready. Oh, right. You know, if you're, the difference if you're a senior or a, think about it, he's a sophomore in school. So, you know, it just gives him a jump start on his, quite honest, on his next, on his season coming, what it does, for sure. But more generally, like not necessarily with like a college player, or if there is a difference, yeah. I guess. I think just getting to know him. You know, it's hard for. I mean, there's no, unless a player here played with him somewhere, or a coach 
seen him somewhere. Heck, I probably have talked with his, had a longer visit with his dad than I have with with Matt himself. So, uh, well, just getting him here and and it's not so much, I guess it is us getting to know him, but also him just getting comfortable with the whole. That's the advantage of having having two teams in Calgary, right? Big advantage. Daryl, understanding it was just one night, what were your impressions when you made that trip up to Red Deer? Last year? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a competitive, skilled player is what he is, right? It's actually, there's similarities to, uh, you know, he's kind of in that manj in that, I think, similar type. I think he's got really good instincts for, for the offense, that part of the game. Uh, he's played this year. You know, they played him a lot at center this year, but I think he was, you know, when he was drafted, he was looked on more as a winger, right winger. Uh, tomorrow's Pride Night. I don't think uh, any of us have been able to see the jersey yet, but have you seen it? What do you think? Yeah, I've seen them this morning when I came in. What do you think? Uh, it's, I think it's a local artist, isn't it? Looks pretty good because they put in some of the uh, Alberta, you know, I think there was the Wild Rose in there and the, and some birds, so it, was, it was looked pretty good. Is the plan right now for everyone on the team to wear them for warm-ups? Oh, yeah. They'll wear them. Has there been a discussion about that in the room? I haven't, I haven't heard you'd have to ask guys, but I don't think it's been a real issue for our team at all. You've said in the past that you would welcome an open player on your team. Uh, how do you think a, a queer player, an open player, would fare in today's Yeah, situation? I think I look at the whole spectrum the whole big picture of it right you got to remember when I first started playing it was it was uh, it was all Canadian so then so anything outside that was when there might have been one Swede in the league or uh, one or two Russians or one or two black guys like that sort of thing so that was that was looked on then as the uh, you know that was coming in sort of so so now it's totally I think I think teams are pretty acceptable to everything now what do you hope receptive that what do you hope that your team uh, wearing these jerseys tomorrow signifies to a queer fan? No, I think all it signifies is that it, we, everything is accepted, right? We accept them in, in, as fans. That's that's what we're doing. Errol, has Nazem Kadri's game started to trend in the right direction? Yeah, you know what I just think with Naz, it's just, it, it goes, the season for everything with Naz has, and the summer and the season has been a race, right? And I think you even see him today, you get these two days and you see more energy again out of him. And that's, it's got nothing to do with anything else. It's, got, it's not about his compete or, or what some guys want to get put in there. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just got to Naz get the energy back and at the age where he is, where he's. How much do you think his short summer last year? It's got a lot to do with it. Guys don't train. I mean, I see, I, the only reason I can say about it because I see it was firsthand, right? Stanley Cup. Conference final Stanley Cup, I seen it, right? And then the fourth year we didn't make the playoffs. It had nothing to do with it's the same it was the same type of thing with Naz, right? Those guys just gave everything they had and that's all they had left. Right? So he's he went through that run and then being a free agent and all that. So and everybody wants to cause a make a but but it's totally that's so off base, right? It's just strictly getting the guy's energy back. How important is it I think even coming especially from you, for people to understand that it's one thing to have a first-round pick, 
it's another thing to have a McDavid or like there's a huge difference, right? Way different. Like if you're if you're a lottery player, then then there's some pressure. But after that, it's three four years for sure. I mean, you just do it. The percentages show it. I mean, it's not. I mean, that's the way it works. And is most of the time the the big challenge because. I see it all the time. Is yeah. it's one thing if you have some offensive gifts. It's another thing to get to the point, isn't it, where you can trust somebody in all areas? Hundred percent. I mean, that's you know, the Flames haven't had a high first round pick for for a long time. So whenever they just say first round, they go, "Well, you forget it's thirty two players in the first round. <laughs> Used to be not thirty two. They were expected to play by the time they were 20 or 21. Now it's quite a bit different. Is there a bigger adjustment coming out of college than out of junior? You know, I'm not sure other than, than uh, I think it depends where they're at and they're, you know, how long they stay in school. Right? So you're come, you just think about age. If you're coming out as a – just do it yourself. Like when you were 23 compared to when you were 20, I bet it was a big difference. Or 24, you look at a guy like Walker Dewey who went four-year school comes out, he's, you know, you, you put him in that young guy's group, but he's 26. So there's a big difference between a 21 and a 22-year-old than a 26-year-old. So, Darrell, when you talk about, you know, Matt Coronado's coming out after his sophomore season, he's, he's still only 20, and you talk about setting himself up sort of for next season. What, what should be on the checklist for the next however many weeks that he can take away from this first taste of it? I think... Uh, number one is picking somebody out that you can really emulate. You know, you got you get guys like Tyler and guys like that. So if he's a right winger, I mean, that would be a pretty good. I'd be watching Tyler Toffoli for sure. And it's and you know, when you ask that question, that's really similar to when we used to when in L.A. when we used to bring Tyler and Tanner up, call them up and not play them, just watch like watch Dustin Brown, watch Justin Williams, those types of players. Right, learn from them and then see how they prepare, see how they train, see how they practice, and then take the next step. It's really good it's really good for the young man. I think it's just to get climatized. Gives gives him a leg up, right? Looking ahead to tomorrow. Uh, what have the Kings done this season to be so tough to play against? They've improved. I mean it's not this season. I mean they took Edmonton seven last year without Drew Doughty. So right there is a pretty good Pretty good. Uh, hey, they they're, they stripped it down, kept great leadership, and drafted really high and really well. And then once they got, and then I think once they've got to a point, and they where they think that they are a contender, then they went out and and uh, you know like they signed Deno and trade for Fiala, and you know it just kind of goes like that's how you do it. Right? It takes so they had the they had the good run, and then you start again done a really good job of it. I mean, it wasn't, it's not, I don't think it's a this year thing at all. It's a progression. It's good and it's clear. I said it this summer and more should have listened to me. I said about the division. Who are the two teams are going to take big jumps? Edmonton, L.A. Right? Vegas gets healthy. There you go. The Flames head coach, Daryl Sutter, speaking to the media following optional skate at the Saddledome today. Lots there with the head coach on Matthew Coronado. The Flames Pride jerseys will be worn in warm-up tomorrow. And even some on uh, an opponent he knows well. The Los Angeles Kings were into town for a Tuesday puck drop 
at the Saddle Dome. Let's hear from uh, Michael Backlund. He played in game number 900 of his NHL career in that win over San Jose. A big win for the team and a nice personal milestone for Michael Backlund, who did the media rounds Monday after practice. Can we just ask you what it was like? Uh, I know it's a couple days ago now, but uh, you know, a nice little moment. An ovation from the fans. So I'd imagine that meant, uh, meant a lot in game number 900 for you. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I didn't expect that at all. Uh, it's nice yellow video uh, tribute as well um, usually they just do you know a picture on the screen and that's what I was expecting and yeah it was uh, a little emotional there and yeah, it was uh, very special what do you mean to have uh, the family there and, and to be able to celebrate alongside them too yeah it was great timing being early game uh, having both kids my wife at the game and um, yeah as well as my mom and her fiance it was um, yeah it meant a lot to me to have them there how does the guy celebrate his 900th uh, career game what did you do after uh, we went for uh, dinner uh, without the kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, just went off for dinner. Uh, took it pretty easy. Uh, had some had some champagne, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was kind of low key, but at the same time, yeah, like I said, we had some some bubbles to celebrate it all. To be to be back in that conversation now again, uh, you know, kind of back and forth. I know, but uh, four points out, um, you know, kind of. Another opportunity to, to gain some ground here tomorrow night. How do you view the position and the opportunity? Yeah, I mean, we've been in this position for a long time now. We just got to keep going out and try. Like, I mean, we talked about it lots. It's uh, been kind of, yeah, all the guys talk about it every day, how we, you know, we know what we got to do. And, you know, we, we got to win a lot of games in a row, if not all of them. Uh, and we know that. And uh, But we got to focus on the next game, one game at a time. And, um you know, last game in LA was, was uh, embarrassing, so we want to come out tomorrow and show that we're a lot better than that. Yeah, I kind of feel like you owe one, maybe, just given uh, the way that it went head-to-head last night? Yeah, no, that was yeah, a really tough game, and uh, we want to show them that we're, we're better. I don't know, we beat them before this year, but uh, we definitely want to bounce back against them. The Michael, the Pride jerseys, you guys sound like you're going to be wearing them. Have you seen them uh, yet? Or uh, Yeah. Uh, this morning, uh, signed the back of it. Didn't see the front, but saw the back of it, and yeah, it looked nice. What can it show fans when you wear that type of jersey to a game? Like, where are you hoping to tell fans? Well, it, the message is that everyone's welcome in this locker room, in this organization. Uh, Calgary's organization has always been uh, very supportive and uh, open to the Pride jerseys, and uh, so and just very supportive that everyone's welcome. Your paths are very different, but as the longest-standing flame here, I've got a guy like Matthew Cornett about to make his appearance here. I won't say debut for some time, but just the idea of what a young player can kind of come in here, do for this group, or maybe what you guys can kind of show him. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Exciting uh, times for him for sure, and for us as an organization too, that one of the high picks coming in here uh, right off college and uh, get him signed. Um, you know, so it's uh, you know, it'll be fun to see him. Uh, he was coming in today and get a chance to see him tomorrow. And uh, um, so yeah, it'll be uh, exciting to skate with him. And uh, we'll see when he or you know, I don't know what the plan is with the games and all that, but um, I'm sure he's going to get to play here. And it'll be fun and exciting to have him in the lineup. And uh, yeah, again, the paths are different. I know that, but do you remember that anticipation when you were wondering? when you were going to join a team, when you were going to get your opportunity? Yeah, it's uh, it's, um, it's special. It's uh, uh, a lot of nerves. Um, exciting time, though. Uh, you know, 
exchanged a couple of texts with him yesterday and he said he was really excited and come and um, so uh, you know we're just gonna when he gets there make it as comfortable as possible for him to make him feel welcome at home and um, that's a big part of this what, uh, what do those texts normally look like are you just saying hi or congrats or uh, just hi that's it hi yeah just a hi <laughs> yeah no you know I said yeah congrats you know his first contract and NHL contract and kind of asked what the plan was when he was going to come in and uh, just let him know that if he needs anything or have any questions can always reach out and, and ask you know just kind of uh, yeah that kind of stuff did you have to go hey it's Michael Backlund well I, fin- I fi- well I finished with I did text him before uh, so uh, I don't know if he can say, say my number or not but I had his number saved and uh, uh, and I met him last year in Boston too when he was at the at the game so uh, so yeah but I did finish with Michael Blackwood <laughs> did you get a text like that before your first well I mean I'm old I mean I'm old eh? there was no smartphones smartphones back then <laughs> uh, I guess there were smartphones uh, I don't remember uh, but texting wasn't the same back then as it is now and um yeah, I I, I don't remember. Uh it's uh um I think Pat texted you. Probably yeah, did. Probably yeah. did. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm blocked now. <laughs> <laughs> There's Michael Backlund. Uh speaking of the media earlier today, yeah, it, it probably was Pat back then, his number one fan, uh welcoming him into the organization with his first NHL contract. But some great stuff from Bax there. Uh, lots on Coronado, of course. Lots on his 900th career NHL game, that cool moment. The standing ovation that the crowd gave him. And I don't know. It sure sounds like a guy that talks a lot like a captain. Uh, that's that's all I'll say. I know there's been lots of people who have talked about that this year and whether this team needs one who could be that guy for this team. And I, I, I've i always thought Backwin's in that conversation. You, Of course, it's impossible to miss when he hits that 900 game mark, the only other two guys that he does it in flames colors with are the guys who just so happen to be the last two captains of this team in Mark Giordano and Jerome McGinley. I, I honestly wonder if at this point, it's just a conversation of, you know, getting that next contract done. Michael is, you know, a year away from an unrestricted free agency. So he's still got another year on his contract. I wonder if that's all that's holding that conversation back. I know that this organization, and I appreciate it from a Flames perspective, they don't like the rotating door of captain. If they're going to give that C to somebody, they want it to be somebody who's around for the long term. And maybe doing that when a guy's only got one year left on his contract is a bit a bit risky for them. I don't think there's any risk when it comes to who the guy is and, and what he means for this this organization in this city. Michael Backlund uh, sure talks like a captain when you hear him, you know, welcoming a guy like Matthew Coronado into the city and into the team and, hey, if you need anything, I'm here for you. Um, and that's not something that's new to Michael Backlund, by the way. That's something that's always been uh, a part of him. Just Throwing it out there, no real rhyme or reason as to do I think they're going to throw a C on him in the last nine games. No, I don't, but just something that I know will be a talking point going into the offseason for the Calgary Flames and something that we'll talk about uh, for sure heading into next season if they haven't named a captain. 
Uh, that's Daryl Sutter, Michael Backlund speaking to the media today. We'll still hear from Blake Coleman coming up a little bit later on in hour two as the Flames gets it to take on the LA Kings Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. But we're going to pivot to another Calgary hockey team having a whale of a season. The Calgary Wranglers making plans for the postseason. They've got two home games left on their schedule this week before they head out on for six on the road ahead of the Calder Cup playoffs beginning. What's working well for this team? Checking on some of the individuals for the group. No one better to talk to uh, about the Calgary Wranglers than Sandra Persina, the voice of the Wranglers. She will join us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.